Welcome back to another episode of Addicted to MRR. How are you guys doing today? We got Matt and Joe from Hustle and Flowchart and Evergreen Profits. Hey, Travis. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, we're doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a little while. You know, I, I was on episode, I had to look it up. It was episode 61. Feels hey. like back in the day now for you guys. That yeah. was in person too uh, during TNC like 2018? Yeah, yeah, it was a couple correct. years ago. Yeah, and uh, yeah. we're we're at almost episode 200 now, so that was a little ways ago. <laughs> wow, yeah. Well, I wanted to have you guys on today because I think that you guys are an interesting journey. You know, here on Addicted to MRR, we like to talk with subscription-based businesses, and it doesn't matter if you're selling info products, physical products, software, etc. But I know that you guys have had sort of some evolution in the world of subscription-based stuff that you're selling of your own. I know you've been affiliates of obviously quite a few different products. But why don't you walk me through kind of what your product is, and then we can talk about the journey of, of how we got to where we are today. Sure. Yeah. So right now, we actually we actually have a couple recurring products. So we've got a print newsletter that is an actual physical newsletter that we mail out every single month. And that newsletter is based on our podcast. So our podcast is sort of the the main piece of our business. We, we interview people just kind of like this that are in the marketing space, self-development space, various entrepreneurs, things like that. And then what we do is we actually have a note taker in our business who listens back to every single one of the podcasts takes really, really, really detailed notes on all the processes and systems and all the various discussions we have on those podcasts. And then we compile those notes into like a monthly Cliff's Notes newsletter that we mail out to our customers. And um, it's just kind of a recap of all the episodes that we did from the past month. So that's one of our recurring models. And then we also have consultancy specifically around podcasting. We help others grow and monetize their podcasts. So we have a handful of uh, clients that pay us a monthly retainer. And just recently, we actually opened up a done for you podcasting service where we actually help you get your podcast set up. We create your intro, we create your graphics, we create, you know, we, we do all the initial build out. And then for a monthly basis, we handle all of the editing, show notes, transcriptions, social media graphics, things like that and keep your podcast running. All, all of our uh, clients have to do is essentially record the file, throw it in a Dropbox, we take care of everything else. Mm -hmm. So those are our kind of three recurring models. And then on top of that, we also do a ton of affiliate marketing, like you mentioned earlier, which is, it, it used to be about 80% of our business, but now it's down to about 50% of our business now that we're doing all of these other recurring things in our business. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you guys have a lot going on. What are some of the different price points that each of your recurring items are at just to give people an idea of the spectrum and scope that you guys go? Because I looked up Evergreen Profits Letter 2.0 and it was honestly <laughs> less expensive than I expected. Yeah. yeah, no, it's uh we so we kind of equate this to like the barbell kind of look. So if you can imagine that, we have one in that's super low priced. It used to be back in the day when we had the print newsletters about $100 a month, but now it's at 15 and uh, so that gives you the physical version. It also actually gives you this whole online portal with a community and ongoing training and monthly calls and whatnot. So we have that as the lowest tier. That's like kind of the groundbreaker, you know, that people get into initially. So we grow a lot of trust over there. And then the higher price points are more about the $500 a month to 15 and beyond, 1500 and beyond per month. 
and that's for the podcast advising and all of the the uh, done for you type production that Matt was mentioning. Yeah, when, when Joe said that the bar, he said we have like a barbell concept. Basically, what he meant by that is we operate on the the low end price point where we're going for volume. So our fifteen dollar a month newsletter is really a volume play where we're just trying to get as many people on it as possible. And then we work we operate on the high end where most of our clients are actually about. $1,500 a month and up. We have a handful that we let in at $500 a month, but that was uh, when we weren't as smart about our pricing for our consultancy. Uh, <laughs> so, but, so we operate on those ends of the spectrum and we kind of stopped selling in that middle ground. We kind of stopped selling the $100 to like $500 range. And then our newsletter, just to kind of give a little bit more insight on that, you mentioned that it was a lot less expensive than you would have expected. Well, when we used to do our newsletter, it used to be $99 a month, but Joe and I wrote every single word of it ourselves, and it was all kind of unique content. The new newsletter is sort of Cliff's notes of the content that other people provide for us on our podcast. So it's sort of a different model where we don't have to come up with all of the content from our own brains. But then to add on to that, one of the, the additional monetizations with that newsletter is we're going for high volume, but then we actually sell sponsorships on our podcast. And when we sell sponsorships on our podcast, one of the things that we throw in is we'll add an insert into our newsletter every month. So we allow people who sponsor our podcast to essentially create a direct mail piece to our customers that go out in the physical mail every month. So doing that, we actually get much, much, much higher sponsorship rates than other podcasts of our size. Sure, because it gives the the actual addressable customer base, people that are paying you money, is a lot larger than it would be if it was double, triple, you know, or more. Exactly. 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 Yep. So most podcasters, they get about $20 CPM from a sponsorship and we charge about $200 CPM, which is $200 per thousand downloads that we get. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. So when you add up, you know, the consultancy side of it and, you know, sort of the, the lower ticket info product side of it, what does that combine to for your current MRR of products that you're actually own and produce yourself? So right now we're about the $10,000 MRR, but that's kind of just the baseline. So in addition to that, with uh, kind of the build out, mainly on the $15 a month side, we see it as like a media platform kind of play. So that's where the additional sponsorship revenue can come through a lot of affiliate marketing with the inserts and mentions and stuff like that. So it's, it's, yeah, that would be the base is about 10 K a month. And, and and then you got all that additional kind of revenue that comes from that. And just to add some additional perspective to that, the, the newsletter and the consulting and the done for you, the consulting and the done for you, we've been running for about a month now. The actual print newsletter, the EGP letter 2.0, we're only about three months in on this reboot of the newsletter. So, you know, that that, that 10,000 a month MRR is really generated over a three month period. And prior to that, almost... 80% of our income was affiliate marketing. So yeah, we shifted uh, pretty, pretty aggressively. We're, we're trying to tip the scales less affiliate marketing and more of this recurring revenue because most of the affiliate marketing stuff we were doing was not recurring. Right. For sure. Yeah. Having that MRR base, the whole, the whole beauty about it is that it's actually something that you can build over time. Yep. I can tell just from talking to you guys that you're feeling a little gun shy about the 10K a month MRR, but that's okay because it's 10K a month. <laughs> you don't have to resell every single month. You right. Know, it's kind of auto charge. So it's, yeah. it's okay. It's a process. It takes time. It's, it's totally okay. It's, it's a great spot to be at for one to three months of effort. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. 
it's that security. It's like a security thing. And that's really what we had in our business was not security when we were uh, really focused on affiliate marketing or just one-off products in general. So yeah, MRR has totally been a, <laughs> a lifesaver, I guess, you know, for the business. It's really cool, you know, because it's that just insurance. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's sort of feast or famine, right? It's like, mm. let's go get the new Tesla or let's, let's eat rice for two weeks. You know, <laughs> there you go. And, and, you know, and to be round, honest, typically. we yeah. definitely had months where, where we had both of those. Joe literally bought a Tesla <laughs> one month and we've literally had months where we didn't know how we were going to pay our bills. So. I'm sure Travis said that on purpose. <laughs> you know, I, I am aware. I, I follow the Instagram stories. I know. <laughs> I, know I know you do. <laughs> cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about the evolution then, because, you know, I, I think you described relatively well about the $15 a month. But I, I do know that it used to be a hundred dollars a month, and I know you guys sort of made some proclamations, and so I wanted I wanted to mm. learn what you guys have learned in the process, right? So you used to sell a hundred dollar a month newsletter. People seemed to really like it. There was lots of great testimonials. Yeah, it's easier to get to ten k MRR at a hundred bucks a month than it is at fifteen bucks a month, generally speaking, right? Sure, sure. So what's the counts, right? So when you take a look at that and you look back at how that process worked, and why you killed it and what you believed at that time, how have your beliefs shifted when it was a hundred dollar product to now is a fifteen dollar product yeah. sort of that time span? Because it feels like something has changed in your point of view. And I'm just curious what that is. hundred percent it has. So in the hundred dollar a month days, this is actually when we first heard of this kind of barbell concept that I mentioned earlier, but also Tim Ferriss will call it the bloodbath zone is like between the price points, there's this like middle area and that's usually like the hundred dollar a mark month, you know, per month, and may, might go up to maybe three hundred dollar ish. It depends on you know, of course, your offers and niche. So we kind of ran into a roadblock, I would say, with the marketing of that hundred dollar a month letter. Even though the the retention was great, and the, like you said, testimonials, people loved it. But we felt like we were kind of just running into this roadblock of growing the thing. And that was our perspective. We're like, you know what? We changed things at that point to more of this media platform thinking. That's where the the idea came from, where we can actually make more if we dropped the price, made it a lot more accessible. That was about the time where we were really focusing on the podcast more as well. So we wanted to give away content freely as much as possible. We really didn't want to feel like this. there was this big barrier to the value we wanted to give to the world. So the podcast really became that thing. So the letter almost transitioned to like, instead of our thoughts behind this pay gate of $100 a month minimum, now it turned into the podcast for free. And our thinking now with the lower barrier is that it's a time saver slash someone who just wants to dive in deeper and maybe interact with us in the community for only $15 a month, where they get the digest of the free information from the podcast, but they can dive deeper through maybe some other training and stuff like that. Yeah. So some some of our philosophies have changed a little bit. Others others have pretty much stayed the same. So when we when we cut out the other the original EGP letter, it was a hundred bucks a month. Uh, you know, we kind of had this philosophy of, you know, content wants to be free. We want to release as much content as possible for free. We were putting all of our best stuff behind a paywall, and that really ate us 
up. The, the, the stuff that we felt was some of the best work, the best teaching we'd ever done. You had to pay a hundred bucks a month to see from us. And we did not like that at all. And so to this day, we still have that philosophy of we prefer to give pretty much all of our content away for free. And that comes in the form of the podcast. If you want to save time and kind of dive deeper on it, then that's what the, the newsletter is for. But then the sort of second part of why we phased out the original newsletter, and we probably didn't write about it at the time, was it was a lot of freaking work hmm. on our plates. We were writing between 24 and 40 pages of unique content a month. And that was 100% coming from mine and Joe's brains. And and typically the last day of the month. And <laughs> typically it was like the last three days of the month. We were just heads down doing nothing but straight writing for three days. And it just got very, very, very tedious for us. So there was that, there, there was that element of we stacked a little too much on our plates with that concept, but also we didn't like the idea that all of our best stuff we were we were locking behind a paywall. So now you can find pretty much anything we teach for free, but we also allow you to dive deeper and we save you time through the newsletter or you can get personal handholding from us. But pretty much anything we teach is just kind of out there. Yeah, it sounds like you guys had sort of set you up with a business where you're constantly doing midterm papers. Exactly. <laughs> it felt that way, man. And yeah, it felt like college, actually. We always used to say that. We're like how do we battle this procrastination thing? And we're like, man, it's just, we can't shake it. And we tried it for, I think we had that for 13 issues. So we yeah. had 13 months of it. And we're like, you know what? It was great. We learned a lot, put a lot of content out there, but then that content was repurposable. So that turned into other things. So we definitely leveraged our work in yeah. many ways. A lot, of the, a lot of the content that was in that newsletter turned into blog posts and content that we submitted to other websites, you know, larger publications and Podcasts. things like that. Yeah. So we, yeah. So we, we did get more use out of that content and we were able to sort of spread that content wider and get it seen by more people. But it was really those two elements. We just, it, it, it was a lot of work and we didn't like putting that content behind a paywall. And now the content's publicly available and a lot less expensive if you want to save time. I mean, we look at our newsletter more like you would look at Cliff's Notes or you know, what, Blinkist, Blinkist right? or yeah. Read It For Me or some of those sites where you can either go buy the book or you can go get the like 10 page summary on the book. Well, that's how we're approaching our podcast. You can go listen to the hour, hour and a half long episode or you can get the four page notes, which kind of gives you all the details. You know, as I'm hearing you guys talk, I'm feeling a lot of parallels between like, you know, Patreon supporters on YouTube or whatever else where, you know, some of them may be doing it for the list of future benefits that you guys have outlined. And I know, you, for instance, you use your back catalog of the previous Evergreen Profits letter as a bonus, right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for people that sign up on the new one. Yep. But in a lot of ways, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people who have signed up have just signed up because they like you in the podcast, yeah. and it's a way for them to directly support you. Oh, and that and that's, that's one of the way that's one of the angles we've actually used to promote it too. You know, we I've written emails to our list saying literally what you were just saying. Some people use Patreon to to collect support for the podcast to keep the podcast running. We've decided instead of using Patreon, we're just going to use our own system, and we're going to give you all of this as a thank. Thank you. Mm. So that's actually some of the messaging that we've tested to promote this, which has been effective. But I, I, I think the the like Cliff's Notes angle seems to be the better messaging. This works better for us. Yeah, for sure. So I, I guess you know now we've talked about the transition from your guys's perspective. How has it been from the customer's perspective? You know, you, you had this thing that was a small audience, but it was beloved. How did people react to it being shut down and how people now react to it seeing that same content available as a bonus for a much lower priced product? 
So we have received no pushback on the bonus thing. So people just love that it's that it exists still, you know. Yeah. And and it's interesting because just the other week we toyed with the idea of going purely digital. And that would be to you know get it in their hands quicker. It would definitely save on costs, you know, because we ship all around the world for a flat fifteen dollars a month. So it's not like we're getting all fancy with shipping and all that stuff. And we actually had a lot of pushback. And they're like, no, we want the physical thing. And we're like, oh, okay. Yeah, so we listen to our customers a lot in customer service and social media. They're hitting us up on all sorts of channels. And we try to keep that conversation open. And the fact that we just have this open, because it is so unique and people have told us this, we see people just sharing this freely like they will they gladly send us pictures all the time it's it's really funny they get proud when they have this like thing in their hand that they can wave around on camera like when i'm doing all these uh these calls i, I kind of do more of the advising for the podcasting and almost always they have it like sitting on their desk right next to their computer i'm just like that's cool <laughs> or you know we have books as well so any of this the physicalness i think of the offer helps a lot as well and we were actually just chatting with Brian Kurtz on our show last week and was telling him this whole concept. And he was like, oh, my God, that is so smart. You're doing the on, off, on strategy, which is start online, take them offline, where their engagement is extremely high. So is podcasting. And, and then you take them back online with either our own membership or community, or maybe it's an affiliate offer or partnership type thing that we're sending them to. And he was like, dude, that model has been so successful for so very long. It's pretty much his model as well, Brian Kurtz's. And that's exactly what we're seeing is people love it. Yeah. So they share it and they stick with us. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, the people that used to uh, be members at $99 a month, those were all the people that jumped the quickest at the new offer. I mean, when we first when we first opened up the EGP letter the second time around, the very first segment of our list that we mailed was all the people that used to be on the letter. And I think we brought back probably 80% of the mm -hmm. people that were on it. And not a single one complained about the fact that newsletters that we used to sell for $99 are now $15. I mean, it's it, it's really just been a non-issue. I think people just love the value they're getting for all of this. And I think a big piece too is that we have put a lot more content online that's free. So we make it very clear. We always stay in communication every week with our customers as well. And we make sure that they're aware of all the cool stuff that we have just in general everywhere. So again, it, it harps on the time savings thing. So it's like we're not expecting them to listen to three hours of episodes every week. But we'll definitely point them over there and then give them the highlights. And then they have the option to get the Clip Notes versions too. So it Definitely. Out. It feels like the physical part, I think, really reinforces that whole Patreon model before because it makes the feeling of belonging to the community real and mm -hmm. tangible. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I also think specifically in the business niche, we, you know, I think about how I consume books even though it's still digital, the reason I love a Kindle isn't because the Kindle is like the best device. I love it because it's distraction free, mm -hmm. right? And so having that physical newsletter in your hand, you know, you're not getting stupid Facebook or email notifications on your page. You right. know, you, yep. you can just devote all of your time to whatever it is you want to do. And I think specifically in the business niche, there's enormous value in distraction-free consumption <laughs> yeah. plus that feeling of belonging and, and look, being able to point to a shelf and be like, that's my community right there, you know, that I belong to. For sure. Perfect.
Yeah, I mean, we even send the print newsletters to ourselves, so we get our own copies of the print newsletter. And I don't know about Joe, but me, I, every month when I get mine in the mail, I, I actually set aside a good hour and I sit down and I go back through the newsletter and sort of get a refreshing of oh, yeah. all the podcast episodes that we just did. Because at the end of the day, we're asking questions of these people that we want to know for ourselves <laughs> and, and for our business. Oh, so. we, there's so many nuggets of information that I forget after reading. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, that's gold and that applies now to this thing we're working on so yeah it's it's exactly i seem to recall about half of my interview with you guys was how do we use contests to grow a podcast so (laughs) (laughs) sounds about right (laughs) made sense yeah great so uh, you know we covered how you got those first customers you went back to the original customers that were on the 99 dollars a month plan how did you sell them on that 99 dollars a month plan though originally so before you had ever introduced this concept How did you go about selling your subscription? So it was, to be honest, it was mostly our low-hanging fruit that was on our list. So Joe sort of mentioned that we kind of hit a wall with that. So we we had no problem selling a lot of the low-hanging fruit. And, And when I say that, I mean past customers of ours, people that have been on our list for a while that were already listening to our podcasts, people like that. We mailed our list and and just kind of put it out there. And that's probably how we got our first 200-ish subscribers on that old model. And once we hit about 200, that was about our ceiling. For the longest time, we had about 200 subscribers on that newsletter. And, you know, maybe we'd go up five and then the next month we'd lose 10 and then we'd mm-hmm. go up five. And and it just kind of always hovered around that 200. And that was that ceiling that we that we hit with it. And really, to be honest, it was just us capturing the low-hanging fruit on our list, our past customers from previous products, previous businesses, podcast listeners, the the, the people that had kind of known us for a while were the ones that were quick to jump on it. But beyond that, we really, really, really struggled to get any new cold, cold people on the list. Yeah, we actually, we, we tried a lot of things like referral. We tried to get people to refer their friends and we gave them bonuses. We did a lot of that kind of stuff. Didn't really move the needle too much. Sorry to say, I think we did a contest and didn't really pan out too well, but that's probably us yeah. not doing it properly. Well, we, we know what the problem was there, and, and that's yeah. something that you alluded to quite a bit on the episode we did with you, which is the bonus, the prize was yeah. wrong. You yeah. know, we I think yeah. we offered like an a iPad or something, which, you know, when you go and run a contest to an iPad, then... <laughs> everybody wants to join that contest whether they're interested in your content or not mm-hmm. um so it wasn't yeah. relevant to what our offer was yeah but, yeah i mean yeah, we that, we tried a lot of things make or break yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right and, and we're just getting you know crap leads or people just not interested in the content which is going to retain them for longer and yeah like our retention on that letter was amazing because we had high quality people which was amazing that's why we kind of kept it that 200 ceiling where we'd lose maybe about three to five a month. But then again, we'd pick them back up. You know, so it was, it was pretty cool. It was a great recurring model, but we just really wanted to scale. And the paywall thing was was really biting at us, the whole pay, pay for the value. That, I think, was the biggest, biggest driver for us to change that model. Yeah. And, and at $15 a month, the new one, it's like there's zero issues putting new people on it. I mean, we're mm-hmm. we're throwing tons of people on that newsletter every single day now. So I just think I think the price point was wrong. I think the our marketing was wrong. I think the actual processes that went into the newsletter were wrong. But, you know, experimenting. It's yeah, okay. <laughs> we, we, we learned a lot. And just to kind of go back to your original question, it was just mailing our list and retargeting on Facebook. And that was 
really our only marketing strategies when we launched it the first time, which really snagged a lot of the low hanging fruit, but then it stalled out. Sure. Well, you know, with your current model, are there actual one click upsells that people see after the $15 a month? Is there right now? You would be the one we do. <laughs> Typically, I think they sell. So we always present a, another offer of ours. So we have a traffic course that's about four ninety seven, about five hundred bucks, and then we have an affiliate course as well. It shows how we do our affiliate marketing. It's about a hundred dollars, and those are the most relevant. I guess that's the upsell, more or less. And that has been the thing that some of our mastermind groups have said. Like, well, you got to kind of take them into something else of higher level, which. Yes and no, because we really know that we can back out revenue as they're consuming our content. Yeah. That's how we've seen it really work. Even though it is more indirect, it's tr- tough to totally track, but we, we do our best to try to track all that. And that's really been our approach to yeah. do it that way. I mean, to be honest, on our $15 a month newsletter right now, most of our profitability from that comes from the the direct mail element of it, allowing other people to access our customer list through direct mail. I, I would be curious if you guys ended up trying some kind of, you know, upsell page that uh, was your own, not just one of the built-in mm-hmm. Thrivecart ones. It was sort of like a sales letter asking to do like a real person deposit of like a hundred bucks or whatever to schedule a call to see if you're a fit on the consultancy side. Mm. Yeah, that would be really interesting to me. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a really smart thing. And yeah. you know, like we mentioned on the earlier, that the, the consultancy, the consulting thing is less than a month old. I think we've been doing mm-hmm. it maybe a little over a month. Actually, I think we're about like, at the month mark where we've mark. actually started offering that. So we haven't built the greatest systems around it yet because we've been in sort of an exploratory phase. I mean, we we've sold a bunch of people on it now, and we realize this is an offer that's that's working and that people want. But it's such a fresh offer that we haven't really built a ton of systems around it quite yet but i like what you said travis that's yeah. that's similar advice that we've gotten from uh from guys like actually roland frazier was one of them in our mastermind and he's like you got to connect it to something higher ticket and that's where we're building that other end you know which is more the 1500 dollar a month thing so i think yeah an exploratory call 100 bucks or whatever it might be would be a good yeah it's step. totally refundable if it's not a fit but basically just you know yeah. I've seen Frank Kern call you know a real person deposit. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Oh, I dig that. No, that's smart. I, I, you know what? You'll probably see that implemented within the next week. <laughs> we'll, we'll credit you, Travis. No problem. Just send me my royalty check. <laughs> you got him, my man. Cool. Yeah. So you know, because because when I think about it, you know, for instance, Campaign Refinery, which is our marketing automation tool, mm-hmm. our biggest affiliate promotes us as part of his upsell. Mm-hmm. So he sells, you know, in sort of the price points that you've mentioned. And then people that buy an upsell that uh, is between the $500 and $1,500 mark, part of that upsell is them setting up a campaign refinery account for them. So we're only getting exposed to people that have already bought something right away, people that are excited to take it to the next level, and the retention on those accounts is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that. that is well, cool. And really all they're doing is they're, they're signing up for our free two-week trial, right? You talk about most people that do a free two-week credit card required trial, and they're like, you know, if you keep 50%, you're good. Well, we're keeping like 98% of this guy's wow. trials and they're sticking around. No, <laughs> I love a, it. They're qualified amazing. folks and, and they're getting endorsed and handheld through that onboarding period. Yep. So yep. So I'm a big believer in, for him, like their wheelhouse is selling, you know, $49 info products. Mm-hmm. And so to go from selling $49 info products to getting, you know, a, a recurring lifetime commission out of us, like, it has totally changed the math for them completely. 
And for us, we get this steady stream of, you know, every day we're getting a handful of new accounts coming over. So Travis, you're, you're hitting all the marks that are, you're getting our <laughs> ears like they're perking up a little bit. Like we actually, Matt and I just looked at each other like, hmm. <laughs> I mean, we've been career affiliate marketers for the last 10 years. So you're perking our ears up just by telling us that right now. <laughs> yeah. I think part of your consultancy should probably be setting up campaign refinery. I'm just saying. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Cool. So let's uh, let's talk about some campaigns that have maybe flopped on you. Uh, I know you said this is low hanging fruit, but and, and I know you had a, a really early contest you ran before you talked to me about a prize that wasn't exactly necessarily as on point as you had hoped. But what other campaigns have you run that you thought would be successful that didn't and just totally flopped? Wow, that's that's a big question because it's probably like seventy five percent of our campaigns. <laughs> well, we'll take a couple that come to mind towards the top. It doesn't have to be like the worst one, but just give some examples of ones that you were really excited about. You thought for sure it was going to work, but didn't. So back when we were doing our EGP letter one point at ninety seven dollars a month, we thought, you know what, let's do something that we think is just a complete no brainer offer, and let's offer an annual mm-hmm. membership where you can get the newsletter every month, but we're only going to charge you two ninety seven for the full year. Mm-hmm. So for the price of three months, you can get the entire newsletter for a full year. And we actually mailed that out to our entire customer list, all the people that were on the $97 list. We were trying to generate, you know, a quick cash influxion influx through this promotion. And we mailed probably 10,000 people. And I think one person bought it. And I don't know if it was the offer or just our sales message, but it just completely bombed. It was interesting. Yeah, I remember that now. I'm happy you brought that up because that was probably the biggest bomb of that letter specifically. And we were modeling, we were trying to model what Frank Kern was actually doing. Remember that? Yeah. And I just don't think we did it properly mm-hmm. we because uh, he at the time was running i don't know what he's at now but he had a physical newsletter in the inner circle i believe and had that kind of offer so we had his course and we're like well that seems relevant to us and it just didn't work yeah <laughs> or at least I, I think it was more us and the probably the way we framed it because we built a lot of assets i remember that there were a lot of entry videos uh, oh yeah you're talking about you're talking about the bribe offers that we tried that's what it was yeah so we were actually doing these webinars as well trying to model frank kern where we would basically the entire webinar would be pitching a course that was valued at like 500 dollars, and at the end of the webinar the actual pitch would say you can go buy this course for 500 dollars, or if you sign up for our newsletter we'll just throw it in for free Right. So like the whole thing was pitching one thing. And at the end, it was like the, the pitch sort of flipped and said, hey, sign up for our newsletter. And yeah, that yeah. really didn't work that well for us. And I think looking back at it, most of our campaigns that have really, really bombed have been us looking at what other marketers are mm-hmm. doing and going, huh, that's a cool concept. Let's do that. And just trying to model or funnel hack other people's stuff before it was cool (laughs) anytime we've ever tried to funnel hack quote unquote somebody else's thing it's always just completely bombed for us anytime that we kind of come up with like a unique concept where we're like huh i've never seen anybody try this let's try it that's usually the stuff that sort of pans out fairly well (laughs) that's true that's true that's funny when i was in college one of the guys that was in a lot of the same marketing classes and graduating the same time as me his father was the brand manager of boeing 737s Mm. And he actually was in a lot of the reptilian brain research behind the 787 Dreamliner mm-hmm. about all the things about how you sculpt it, you know, how you make lighting, windows, all the things that can make you more comfortable. Because his whole pitch was, you know, before you ever experience my product, you know, you get up at 4 a.m., you sit through traffic, you go through TSA security, 
you know, you, you get handled in ways you don't want to <laughs> walk down this dark, dingy jetway, and then you get to experience my products. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so his whole point was, you know, hey, we did all these things. We spent millions and millions and millions of dollars in research. And, you know, one of the elements of thousands of decisions they made was to make larger windows. The biggest thing was actually making it feel like you're at a lower altitude, being able to have higher cabin pressure. Oh. But the larger windows, Airbus, their competitor, looked at them and said, look, they made bigger windows. That's the only thing unique about a 787. We'll make ours 20% bigger and we've done everything they've done. <laughs> wow. And so it just it puts a, an accent mark on the idea that what you see usually is not the full picture. Right. Mm-hmm. right. That and so true. like you, you discussed, like you saw Frank Kern do it, like you have no idea if it actually worked well for him or not. You assume it did because it probably continued to run ads. Mm-hmm. When you mentioned about giving away courses as a bonus, I thought about our own promotion for Black Friday, which we gave away our ultimate contest funnel course for anyone who took a free trial of Campion Refinery and it killed it. It did really well. So it doesn't always, you know, give you the complete picture. So it's really interesting. I'm glad you guys brought that one up. Yeah. That, you know, just question. seeing what other people are doing isn't the clear complete picture about what's actually making it work or not work. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I totally agree. And I love, I love that, that airliner analogy. There's just, there, there's so much that led up to that process that it's not just the windows that make the difference. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about maybe a campaign that surprised you that did better than you expected. Let's see. I know the book campaign has done really well on Facebook for a traffic book. Oh, yeah. Um, That's probably been the most longevity as well out of a campaign. Yeah. So right around the time that that, that mini chat started to get popular, you know, the, the chat bot tool, we ran a, a campaign on Facebook where it was a picture of me holding up a copy of our, our book about traffic. And it was just like I had like a kind of a funny face and I was holding up this book. And I said, hair hey, is all out of whack. <laughs> yeah, my, I probably didn't brush my hair or something. I just I, 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 I usually try to make funny pictures when I post ads on Facebook. And um, I, I put this picture on there and, and basically the ad said, hey, we just released our new traffic book. Do you want a free copy? Type yes in the comments. Right. And then if they type yes, then it automatically triggered an automation in mini chat where a message would go out and say, awesome, here's the link to go grab our book. And then it was a, you know, a free plus shipping kind of thing. So you would go and you'd, you'd check out and it would cost you $5 for shipping. And then we send you the, the book for free. And then we had a series of upsells, which um, at the time we were pretty heavily pushing a traffic course. And then there was an upsell to an affiliate marketing course. And we had this whole funnel on the back end of that book. And that campaign did really, really, really well for a certain amount of time until it didn't. <laughs> it was like a few months, though. Yeah, yeah, no, a, it, it was a good period of time, man. Yeah, so. it, it ran for a good like three months and was very, very, very effective. And then just kind of it, it just sort of trickled out and stopped being effective, which kind of was interesting. Effective. So was that effect? Was that a success like uh, immediately could you tell like within the first three days that that was going to be uh, we could uh, tell within the first three hours it was successful 100 yeah because the way we designed the campaign we were getting comments galore from it was one of those things yeah comment and then you get sent this thing yeah and, and we saw the comments coming in that we started i think we we started off with our own list like as we always do or our audience somehow well, no actually with that one i actually posted it on facebook and the oh, way organically that's the way right, mini yeah. chat works was i had to go and make the post on facebook then go into mini chat and then turn on the automations and connect them to that post and before i even had the automations on we already had like 10 yeses <laughs> on the thing that's right and that was just organically people seeing it on facebook and i didn't even have the automations turned on yet so i actually manually messaged like the first 10 people 
people with the link to the book because the automations didn't trigger. Mm. Then I got the automations turned on. We mailed our list to it. That generated another like 200 comments. And then once the, the, the post was just kind of cranking along and there was just like a comment landing on that post every like five minutes then i went and turned on facebook ads to it and that just kind of poured gasoline on the fire and within the first like three days of running that you know it already generated like ten thousand dollars for us Mm -hmm. yeah and what was the price point on that so i think the the free plus shipping i think was like a i think it was like 5.99 or something for the book that or 10 bucks it was one of the somewhere in that range. yeah it was somewhere or... five to ten dollars for the th- the first thing and then our traffic course at this time was 297 and then the affiliate course upsell was 99 i think mm-hmm. awesome well i'm glad that, that that panned out so well because sometimes we've had experiments where you know, I'll launch it and it's like, eh, okay. Like, and then I just leave it and I kind of forget about it. And then I come back and I'm like, oh, holy cow. You know, <laughs> yeah. like our contest execution plan, which was a $10 ebook. You know, I, I sent it to the list, whatever, and did like a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, maybe it's a dud. But like, then I just left it as an upsell behind our free opt-in. Mm-hmm. And I came back like six months later and just the front end, excluding the upsells of, you know, $100 and a recurring thing for our software, et cetera, just the front end had been 50 grand. Jeez, and, there you go. I was like, oh, well, maybe I should, <laughs> you know, this one has more legs to it long term. Like it didn't get people to jump out of their seats in the beginning, but it had a, a good consistent conversion rate that lasted for years. Well, so, you make a good point about books because we, we tr- uh, the traffic book is our most, most popular book and it's been out for over a year now or so. And we still see a sale at least every single day mm-hmm. on that. And we are putting absolutely no effort into pushing that yeah. other than it's on our website. We do mention it occasionally. We do have an ad going to it, I think, for like a $10 a day budget or something like that. Oh, okay. So there's like, but it's minimal, minimal. Like, we're not touching it. Yeah. So it's definitely a loss leader. And then it opens them up into most people. You will see the affiliate sale will come after that. The traffic course sometimes we'll get a sale but there's always some other purchase maybe an annual subscription yeah now, which we offer for ugp letter as well so there's it's an amazing grab you know way to just diminish any kind of ad costs yeah i think i think looking back at the original campaign from from you know a year and a half ago or whenever we ran that (laughs) one of the biggest mistakes we made was none of our upsells had a reoccurring attached Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that was just kind of all one-off products now now our newsletter is a piece of that funnel but it's uh still to this day it's running it's just not quite Mm -hmm. as effective as it once was travis i got another promo if you want me to quickly state it it's yeah, one, sure. Yeah, like more recently, we've been, well, we, we've done this for a while, but listening to our customers is very beneficial. So for the podcast marketing stuff, we were very hesitant to offer any kind of training or advising through that. But Matt sent out, and I think it was one email and maybe like a PS mention in another like, you know, weekly round, roundup type email which was like, hey, we're, we're toying with the idea of this done-for-you thing uh, with advising and marketing help on there. Would you be interested? Just write into us uh, at the support desk. And that one email, I think, generated uh, somewhere around 30 responses of extremely highly qualified people. I think there was like two people out of there that were not a really good fit. But those have now been coming into to be that higher higher ticket recurring offer, or two offers, really. But that was just a simple email, no link, just respond to this. Yeah, just hit reply. And I feel like everyone listening has the ability to do that in some way. And ideally, it's a higher ticket product. 
you know, so the time effort, maybe that's the $100 uh, real person deposit idea can be attached to that follow up. But it's just as simple as that a campaign like that has completely opened up a new MRR piece of our business. And it just started from one email like that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I always encourage people to really think about the PS of their email. Because mm-hmm. when you look at how people read emails, generally they read the first line, they scroll to the bottom, they read the PS, and then if they're still interested, they go to the top and read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's actually how a lot of people end up reading it. So it's kind of shocking. So even if you're just sending content, like a PS, you know, PPS, whatever, something in the footer that's something dead simple like that, that takes about, you know, two nanoseconds to think of mm-hmm. and add on there may be just literally the money that's laying around on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's opportunity you didn't know was sitting there that is just waiting for a little nudge of like, oh yeah, no, I did mean to actually talk yep. to them. Maybe today would be the right day to do that. Totally. Yeah. yeah the, the other thing, I'm going to add one more and then I'll let you move on to whatever the next point is. But the one thing that, that we've discovered too around podcasting specifically is that we always forget how many people are listening to our podcast yeah. and just like throwing like just little mentions that we completely forget we even mentioned on the podcast usually has pretty big impact. You know, for example, this isn't necessarily a promotion, but one time we we were on a, a podcast, Joe, Joe and I were, were just kind of talking on our show, and I mentioned how we never really get emails from the customers that are happy and loving with the things we do. Pretty much all of our support desk is people that aren't happy. They want to cancel. They want a refund. They, you know, Most of our support is stuff that's more negative than positive. And I kind oh, of, you get that too, huh? <laughs> and, I, and I kind of mentioned that on our podcast, and the day after that episode went live, we had about 15 messages in our customer support saying, hey, heard you on the podcast mentioned that you never get any like good stuff in your support. I wanted to be that good comment for you today. I love what you guys are doing and I love your podcast. And we just got all sorts of praise and testimonials emailed to our support desk the day after that episode went live. So if you want the feel good hormones, yeah, I just mentioned something like that somewhere and, and yeah, let's turn that negativity around and support. And it was a comment I totally (laughs) forgot I made because it was just kind of like in the the heat of the discussion, you know? Mm Yeah, believe it or not, this is actually going to segue great into the next part because it reminded me of when I did see you guys at TNC 2018, you were talking with your friend Brad. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he heard my name, he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, your contest sponsor method training added all this revenue to me and totally flipped around this whole conversation. It was all total success. Yep. I'm thinking like, geez, dude, like I know this course sells well, but literally the only emails I get are the negative. And here, you know, <laughs> you're adding like thousands of dollars a month in MRR. Like, where's that email? You know, <laughs> Where, where's that reinforcement? You're right. And I think yeah. this segues into the portion that I love to end all of my episodes with, which is talking about mental health as an entrepreneur. And I've actually been really looking forward to this, talking with you guys, specifically from a post that Matt did a while back. Mm -hmm. But personally, I deal with a lot of anxiety, even panic attacks sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself can probably lead to even some mild depression, just because you're like, man, how did I get out of this funk, right? I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in our world where it's, it's you know, one person or a small group of people working a lot of times in solitude, you get, even if it's not the extreme end, you're definitely going to get some stress, overwhelm, anxiety, panic, and depression. So I'm curious, how, you know, do you guys experience this on any kind of regularity? And if you do, what things have you incorporated in your life as habits to try to mitigate 
the effects of those things. Yeah. So, quick answer is no. We don't experience any of that. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, and you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it. Well, it, it, I love that you're asking this question. Yes. This is a, a topic we've actually been bringing up more and more on our show because I just feel like it's not discussed enough. But yeah. Thank you for asking this because it needs to be said more <laughs> or talked about more. That not is. not everything in this world is Bentleys and huge houses. <laughs> even if you have a nice car, which I do. Yeah. Even if you live in a great place, which I do. There are still lots of things to get you totally stressed out. Totally. And, because we have, you know, at least from what I've found, people like me and myself, obviously, individually, we have extreme expectations of ourselves. Oh, my and God, so yeah. That can manifest in very peculiar ways where rationally you can realize I'm making progress. I'm getting towards where I want to go. I'm doing great things. You know, I'm light years ahead of where I ever thought I could be. Mm. But that doesn't stop these things from happening. So, so how is it manifesting in your lives yeah. right now? I mean, Joe and I probably have different answers. But do you want me to start? Uh, do you want uh, uh, I mean, like, I'll just preface that, like, as you have a, a great life and seemingly all the cool things, like a car, a house, you live, like, that's us too. Like, mm-hmm. we already mentioned, like, this Tesla I own, great. I don't care. It's a freaking, it's a freaking iron thing that'll probably rust one day, or will rust. 100% agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and we live in San Diego. It's one of the most expensive places in the country. Somehow we're making it work. But, Matt, yeah, I, I just wanted to preface, like, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in appearance. Well, but, I mean, that's. That is a big piece of it is just that constant reminder, right? That constant reminder of, look, whenever we're feeling down on ourselves and feeling, man, we suck at what we do. Like, honestly, I have a lot of days where I feel like I've been at this for, let's see, 14, 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started in 2005. So I've been at this for 15, 14 years now. And I have days where I'm like, man, I've been doing this for 14. How, how do I still suck at this? Why, mm-hmm. why, am I, why, why is this not working the way I want it? I feel like I should be farther along by now. I, I have those thoughts constantly, just all well, of the you time. You nailed the word without even realizing it. The word should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It goes through my head all the time and I have to stop myself. You know, yep. I should be like this. I should be doing that. I should be. All these things that we put on our lists for ourselves of shoulds. Mm-hmm. Like, Ex- really? Is that really the it's, way you say that? <laughs> exactly. That's the expectations of ourselves. Entrepreneurs are like this extreme heightened level of expectations that maybe they're realistic. Most likely they're not, at least not in the now. So it's like, stop focusing on this thing that might be, maybe it should be five years from now instead of right now. Like this, it might not be the time. Give yourself a little break. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, the, one of the big things is just that constant reminder of what Joe just said is I have to constantly remind myself, I live in a beautiful house in a beautiful city. I've got family, I've got a, a, a wife that I've, I'm, I'm madly in love with. I've got two kids that are awesome. They're healthy. They're happy. They're provided for like all of the necessities all of the things that really matter are covered and i just have to remind myself of that all of the time and when that doubt starts to creep in when that that when i start shooting on myself mm-hmm. that i have to remind myself of that now i do have daily and nightly routines you you sort of alluded to a, a post that i made on facebook about i don't know probably 9 months ago where i was actually at a networking event cuz i was i was having uh, severe anxiety attacks and especially in large social settings and we were and at, it was hot too <laughs> and it was a very very hot day so that was probably a factor but i actually 
had a, an anxiety attack and I actually fainted in the middle of a party with like 75 people around me and had like a, a circle of people kind of standing over me trying to offer me water and help me. And I was fine, but I was, I was embarrassed. And I learned some lessons from that about my workaholism and how late I was working and, you know, things that I needed to change in my life. And since that, I've actually made dramatic changes. And I, and I could pretty much say that to this day right now, I have close to no anxiety anymore. I, I do not really suffer from anxiety anymore. I've managed to kind of get past it. That's not to say it never creeps in, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's all but gone. And I really attribute it to like some of my, my daily habits and practices. And some of them might seem kind of woo woo to, to some, but I, I do have very, very strict practices and I'm very, very disciplined with them now where I wake up every morning, I make myself a cup of yerba mate. Uh, I'm actually, we've actually been both Joe and I are sitting here drinking yerba mate as we, as we've talked about this, it's kind of a uh, part of my routine. I do meditate every single morning for a minimum of 20 minutes, usually, usually closer to 30 minutes. And then after my meditations, I, I journal anything that kind of came up for me in my meditations. And then after that, I get on with my day. And then in the evening, right before bed, every single night at about 10 o'clock at night, I take my dog for a walk and I, I listen to podcasts, not business podcasts typically, mm -hmm. more just like entertainment. I listen to, to Joe Rogan and Conan O'Brien and Dax Shepard and more entertaining podcasts to kind of get my head out of the business space where, although surprisingly, I get a ton of lessons for my business by checking out of business podcasts oh and listening God, yeah. to how the other world, uh, you know, the other part of the world talks. And that, that is my, my daily routine right there. I have a morning routine and a nightly routine and I'm very, very, very strict about them. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. What, what about you, Joe? Yeah. So it's uh, a lot of this I love and Matt. Yeah. You've completely changed like for the better in terms of like squashing that anxiety and the morning routines. Cause you didn't have a lot of that stuff like no. nine months ago. Which no, it's maybe all had the fairly walking fresh, thing. yeah. Yeah, so it's it's really cool there. And and myself, you know, getting outside, getting away from the computer is probably the best relief for myself. So I can, you know, I always try to, like, just starting with my desk. It's a stand-up desk, so I'm constantly going up, down. Maybe I'll move to a different part of my house where I'll just work outside. I'm fortunate enough to have about an acre around me, so I can go outside and just kind of wander around there and, and it's like almost like a walking meditation for me so i can kind of my brain just immediately goes to a deeper level to the things that matter the most for me and it might be a, just a drive in the local mountains as well for like an hour i'll do like a little loop but on a daily practice as well i'm big on breathing strategy or breathing techniques so wim hof is one strategy i'll do not daily but i'll do that maybe a few times a week. And that's more of an aggressive breathing pattern. You can just YouTube it and find, you know, basically what that is. And I do, I think breathing for me, like if focusing on my belly breath, so like lower, not chest breathing, but if you can really, really, and this is just me, if I can really focus down there, it almost takes away the nerves, maybe within like seven of those repetitions of just focus on deep belly breathing, but very intentionally and focused on like the pattern of how I'm breathing and taking a second to actually slow down. That will like immediately take the nerves off for me. So that's something I do in the morning. Uh, the shower, like 
I'm like religious about like almost every single time. Luckily, I have like this bench in there. I can sit down. It's just it's like my meditative spot. Unfortunately, I don't have a spa yet, Matt. You do, mm-hmm. so it's like if I had a spa, I'd just go there, <laughs> and that would be like my daily. Like, all right, maybe it's a nightly routine that way. Meditation's huge for me. I've been meditating a long time. There's a lot of cool apps too that I use, brainwave apps to keep myself focused and less knee jerk because I'm definitely like my personality is to act quick on things or to respond fast without fully thinking things through, which then stacks on more anxiety because I'll inherently stack more on my plate through doing that. So all the things you should do to get where you think you should be. <laughs> Bam, exactly. So that's the way like my personality approaches it. Matt approaches it differently, but at the same time, there's still anxiety, you know? So I'm, 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 I'm always focused on slowing myself down. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the breathing, the meditation, getting outside, getting away from the computer and the internet, which should be a tool, not reality. <laughs> like before the internet and computers, there was this massive reality that we all had, which involved talking to people in person or going outside and, and maybe working with your hands. Like I'll literally go out in my yard and like freaking chop trees down or dig holes as part of a stress relief. <laughs> like yeah. I'll do, and I try to do that every weekend, like is to literally get my hands so dirty and sweaty, like working out's huge. Physical things help me a lot. Yeah. That's why I think the breathing really comes into play. Yeah. And for, sure. and for me, another, just another addition and there's no judgment here at all towards anybody, anybody listening or anybody on the call or anything. But um, for me, I used to self-medicate a lot. I self-medicated with alcohol, with marijuana, with, you know, I used to like pop ibuprofen every day for like neck pain and just injuries that I had. Food, um, probably. Yeah. Food, ice like cream, food, lots yeah. of sugar, fried foods, a lot of that kind of stuff. And through the process of, of actually meditating a lot, I kind of stopped craving any of that stuff. And so now I eat a lot healthier. I don't really drink anymore. I don't smoke weed anymore. I, I haven't take pain medication in, in probably months now. I've cut out a lot of those things. And and I'm not saying I'll never do any of those again. I'm not saying like I'm, I'm anti-alcohol. I'm anti-marijuana. I'm anti-pharmaceuticals or anything. Well, pharmaceuticals, I'm pretty anti. But yeah. uh, the other <laughs> things, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not anti those things. I'm not saying I'll never do them again. But I've just, I've found myself just not wanting them anymore. As I hear both of you speak, there's so many parallels between the journey I've had as well. So I, I really mm. appreciate you guys sharing. And I think a lot of the things that you mentioned are all very important. And they're things that if you had talked about these items to a younger version of myself, I might have thought you were kind of, you know, silly or, you know, it's like <laughs> breathing, like you breathe naturally, right? <laughs> right. But, right. But now having gone through this, you know, more than 10 year journey personally, you know, I, I've really come to respect the the kind of influence that you have this feedback loop in your body, like for, for the breathing, as an example, you know, we have a, a fight, flight or freeze kind of mentality and this rush of adrenaline. And, and we talk about the breathing, settling you or passing out, you know, there's a, I believe it's called like the, the vagus nerve or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you pass out, it's basically that freaking out, filling with blood and, and constricting the blood to your brain. That's what makes you pass out. And once you pass out and you can't, your your mind gets out of your own way and it stops freaking out and pumping the adrenaline, that nerve releases, the blood goes back to your brain. And it's like they hit the reset switch. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so doing that deep belly breathing is literally you telling your body, dude, I'm not being chased by a lion. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> what are they called? The anatomic nervous system? There's a sympathetic and the... Yeah. 
autonomic, I believe. Yeah. So that's like really, I think they said that's one of the only ways to really control that, which is the fight or flight nervous system in you. And the chest breathing is is more the stressful, the short breaths. And that's where the, you know, the freak out kind of comes from if you can't control that. Yeah. I, I find in many situations, if, if I catch it soon enough that, you know, I, I can start to feel my heart rate elevate or yep. my hands getting a little bit clammy. The very first thing I try to check in on is how am I breathing? I mean, you m- more often than not, my gut's totally locked up, mm. right? It's not belly breathing at all. It's totally tense. It's short, shallow chest breaths. I look around, I'm like, there is no rational reason <laughs> it's true. Why I like this. And then, so I just have to sort of say, okay, relax the stomach muscles. Like, and then it just kind of, it's like, uh, it's like kneading, you know, a tough piece of bread or something. Like eventually, yeah. you know, it, it loosens up and it works out well. Yeah. And, uh, and, that, and you're, dude, you nailed it perfectly. Cause my focus has all been like loose in the belly and the breathing. And, and just to cap it all off, I think the thing that Matt and I always come back to as an entrepreneur, like you would be included in this and probably every single person listening is there are so many ways like a fallback option, quote unquote, like if like a promo doesn't go well or your business literally burns down overnight online or off, whatever, you know, <laughs> like everything just stops like the network around there, us and the support that we all have we, between the collaborations we've done over the years and even if it's a new collaboration with someone, there's so much support out there in the world. We're all going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's cool. Just like, I always go back to this, like, just chill out, Joe. Like, yeah, if the bank account's a little low, that's fine. I have plans and I have all these people to call for help if I ever need it. Yeah. For sure. I had a good friend of mine who was visiting with me a few months ago when I was overly stressed out. My mind was catastrophizing and doing all the what ifs. Hmm. And he looked at me, he goes, dude shut up. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> not like I'm not telling you to not break out, but like you have so many safety nets and people that care about you and want to see you succeed and will endure their own personal pain to help you get where you need to go. Like you totally failing is like not even on the menu. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's that, an important thing to realize you always think like, you know, in, insulated, like if I do something wrong, I'm going to destroy this. No one's going to trust me or, you know, it can go as deep as you want it to go, but that's oftentimes not even close to the reality. So I'm glad that you brought that up as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious how how long ago did you get it into the more the breathing and, and sort of focusing on this stuff? Because for as long as I've known you, you've always kind of had a very sort of calm presence to you, mm-hmm. at least from from an outside perspective. It's always seemed like you've been a very sort of calm, level-headed individual every time I've been around you. Yeah, that's a, that's a common response I get from people, but I've actually been struggling pretty intensely with anxiety and panic attacks to the point of like you even losing consciousness sometimes for about 11 years. Oh, so mm-hmm. doing all as many lifestyle things as I can to try to to change that, but I think I get in my own head too easily and I have you know as I mentioned extremely high expectations of myself and it's it's not that I care as much about what other people think, but I'm like, man, if I totally crash and burn, like who's ever going to trust me and want to work with me again? You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's these weird fears that you have that you know aren't founded. And I always try to do right by people and all those kind of things, but they have a way of creeping in and, and situations where you wouldn't expect right no that that makes a lot of sense and and i think that actually brings up a good point that i think a lot of people need to remember is i think i think all of us sort of give a little too much credit to how much we think others are thinking about us oh my god right i i know i know with our business a lot of times we'll be making decisions for our business and thinking oh but our customers are really not gonna like that or oh if if i if i drop the price on this everybody who bought it at this price is gonna be pissed off and what we've sort of realized over the years is that 
nobody's really paying that much attention to us. We're paying attention to ourselves. But special as you think you are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) None of us are. That's okay. I mean, people are people do pay attention, but it's not like we think like, oh man, if I don't release this podcast episode today, everybody's gonna be like, what? What? What's going on? There's no episode today. I was waiting for it. What's wrong with nobody's paying that close of attention? Yeah, you think people are going to say, like, what are you doing with your life? Like, you know, why aren't you doing everything I want you to do? <laughs> exactly. Right? And you know what? Yeah. If they if they do write in, that's when you fire them as a client or a subscriber. Like, bye-bye. <laughs> About the only person that, that is really dialed in like that is going to be my wife. And there's a lot of times that people tell me, just like you did, hey, everything is cool, calm, and collected. And, you know, she can read my face for the, you know, the small micro things yeah. and know when I'm doing worse or I'm doing better. Yeah. That's good to have, you know, man. At the, the, yeah. at the end of the day, most people don't recognize, don't really care, really. I mean, like, it's not that they don't care about you at all, but it's just like it's not they're, – they're worried about themselves and in their own heads. So exactly. Yep. Just, just worry about doing your own thing and enjoying yourself, and that, that really can take a lot of the pressure off. Mm. 100%. Cool topic, man. Thanks for bringing it up. For sure. Well, thank you guys so much for being on. It was, it was really a pleasure. Uh, if people wanted to learn more about you, where, where should they go specifically to get more information about what you guys do or connect with you or ask you any follow-up questions? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you two URLs real quick. We, evergreenprofits.com is our main website. You could pretty much find anything about us there. So if you want to go there, we can also give away a free copy of our traffic book. We mentioned it a few times here <laughs> as um, well. Yeah, we didn't really talk that much about like how we're driving traffic, but we do have a, a traffic book that talks about SEO and some of the ways we run paid traffic. So if people are interested in that, they could go to hustleandflowchart.com. That's the name of our podcast, hustleandflowchart.com slash MRR. And I'll, I'll make that URL after we get off this call. It's not ready right this second, but I'll go make that. So go to hustleandflowchart.com slash MRR. And that's where they can go and grab our traffic book and they'll be on our list. And that's where you can, and you'll learn more about our newsletter and podcast and all that kind of stuff. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for being generous to our audience, being generous with your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I wish you guys the best of luck as you grow your monthly recurring revenue. Thank you, Travis. Thanks for having us. Of course.